0: What is the remedy to a guilt-ridden heart? Find out on today's edition of Awakened to Grace. Today is the conclusion of what has been a great series called Emotions That Destroy. So far, we've talked about how to replace anger with forgiveness. We've talked about how to replace greed with generosity, how to replace jealousy with celebration. Well, today we're going to talk about guilt. And the only way that the Bible teaches that one can replace guilt is with confession. And today we're going to break down what confession means and what why it has the power to loosen the grip of guilt on every heart. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of Awakened Radio. And today I want to talk to you about the emotion of guilt. I want to talk to you about what do you do with a heart that is guilt-ridden? What do you do when you confess your sin, but yet guilt will not go away? Guilt will not leave you. I want to talk today about what it means to be guilty before God, guilty before others, and guilty within your own heart. How do you get rid of guilt? We've talked about getting rid of anger. And we showed you the key is forgiveness. We talked about getting rid of guilt. The key is generosity. Getting rid of jealousy, the key is celebration. Well, what is the key to getting rid of guilt? Well, friends, the Bible is going to tell us. But it may not be exactly quite what you think it is. So are you ready to go on a journey with me today? We're going to be in three scriptures, and I have three primary points I want to talk about confessing sin to God. I want to talk about confessing sin to each other. And lastly, I want to talk about confessing and getting forgiveness in your own heart. The first scripture I want to talk about is 1 John 1.9. Now, 1 John 1.9 ought to be a scripture that you memorize. The kids that are in here from Rock Alley, I want to tell you, you should memorize this. This is a scripture every Christian should know and every Christian should memorize. It says, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. The first thing I want you to note today is, number one, I want you to know what confession truly means. Now, maybe you grew up with a Catholic background. And maybe for you, confession was going to a priest. And telling your sin. Or maybe you grew up in a Protestant background. Maybe you grew up Baptist or Pentecostal or or Lutheran. Or you grew up United Methodist or whatever. And and, And no matter what religion or denomination you grew up in, confession means you tell God what you did and then God forgives you, right? That's how most of us grew up with confession. Perhaps you didn't grow up in a church background at all. Perhaps your family wasn't religious at all. And you never knew what it was to confess sin, period. And so as a result, you've never really confessed anything. Makes me think here at Christmas time, did you ever hear about the little boy who grew up in a Catholic orphanage? And the little boy goes a few weeks before Christmas and tells the nun, that he wants uh, a red toy truck for Christmas. And the nun tells the little boy, she says, well, if you're good two weeks before Christmas, Jesus is gonna give you a big red truck for Christmas. He goes, okay. He goes to his room that night, he's gonna confess his sin. He gets down and he prays and he says, Jesus, I promise you that I'll be good for the next whole two weeks if you, and he thinks about it and he goes, there's no way. I know myself. There's no way. So he cuts it in half. And he goes, Jesus, I promise you that for the next whole week, I will be good if you get me. And he, he, the boy knows himself. The boy knows he can't even be good for a full week. And so he looks around. He gets a statue of Mary, throws it underneath his pillow, and he says, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, you get me the truck. <laughs> That's Went the wrong way on confession, right? (laughs) But but no matter what you grew up in, whether you were religious, non-religious, whatever, here is what I want you to know about confession. Are you ready? This is what confession means. Confession means to agree with God. To agree with God. Do you agree with God about your sin? See, here's the problem with the way Christians confess. What we do is we feel bad for something because we know if in our mind, we know it was wrong, but we don't feel that we've really done wrong. And so what happens is we confess, we ask God to forgive us, knowing that we have a loophole in the Bible that he is faithful and just to forgive us. And then what do we do? We go right back to the same sin knowing that all we have to do is just confess. This is not a loophole, friends. If you do not agree with God, if you do not feel the weightiness of your sin and confess your sin as sin,
1: then has true forgiveness been granted?
0: So I want to challenge you today. How do you think about sin? The old Puritans would say the eyes were made for two things. The eyes were made for seeing and the eyes were made for weeping. And then they would say, a man will not weep over his sin until he sees it. Have you ever seen your sin? If you ever do, then that is when you will agree With God, that is when you will confess sin before God. And that's our part. Well, what's God's part? Well, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Now, let me ask you a question today. What do you do when you confess your sin to God but the guilt doesn't go away? Can I propose to you a second step? Could it be that you need to confess to the person that you've wronged? Go to James with me. James chapter 5 verse 16. I think the danger for us Christians, I think the danger for us churchgoers is that sometimes we try to confess our sin
1: to God and we leave it there.
0: Whereas in reality, confessing to God sometimes is not enough. Now, my church background makes me feel a little blasphemous when I say that. What do you mean confessing to God may not be enough? Well, I'm not only going to show you with the Bible, I'm going to show you a personal story of why for me, in my situation, confessing to God was not enough. Notice what James chapter 5, verse 16 says. Help me with the first line, please. Therefore, confess your sins to God Almighty. Is that what it says? (laughs) Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's huge. Now, I don't think that means that you are to just stand up every Sunday and air all your dirty laundry to everyone who wants to listen. I don't think that's what that means. I do think it's talking about having accountability. And I think it's talking about uh, confessing to someone who's wronged you. Now, notice what it says. Not only confess to one another, pray for one another. Do you know what I've learned? I've learned what Leonard Ravenhill said. We do not gossip about people we pray for, and we don't pray for people we gossip about. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> you get a burden for someone, you begin praying for someone, you're not going to run them down. You're not going to gossip about them. You don't gossip about the people you pray for. Not only confess your sin to one another, pray for one another. And then what does he say? That you may be what? Healed. Healed. The Bible makes a direct link between physical healing and confessing sin to one another. Isn't that interesting? And then he says, the fervent praying of a righteous man has great power as it is working. But well, what do you have to do before you reach that point? You've got to confess your sin. So let me ask you a question today. Have you went to God and confessed your wrong to God that guilt has not left? Could it be that you need to confess to the person you've wronged? Let me share a story from my past that I've never shared publicly until the early service this morning, but I feel like the Lord wanted me to share this with you. Back when I was 16 years old, uh, I knew I was called to preach, and I did. And I actually I preached extensively from the time I was 12 years old till I was 18 years old. I preached over 200 times in churches. I preached everywhere, and the Lord used me in a great way. Well, being a preacher, young preacher, kid preacher, but nonetheless doing it, I had a great love for books, and I love books. Even now that I've lost eyesight and I can't read a book, I never owned an audiobook prior to losing eyesight, and in the last year, I've purchased 147 audiobooks. I've read eight books so far this month. I love books. And I think the reason why is because the Bible says pastors should be apt to teach. Well, if we're apt to teach, we better be apt to learn, right? And so I've all I've had a lifelong love for books. And let me just give you a piece of advice. Never loan a preacher a book. Because we're notorious book thieves, all right? We'll steal a book before you can blink. Well, let me tell you what happened. I wanted to work at a Christian bookstore. I envisioned myself taking my whole paycheck and buying books, and that's basically what I did. And I was 16 years old, and I went to Anchor Bookstore, and I said, I'd like to apply. And they said, well, we're sorry, but we don't hire teenagers. It's against our policy. So what did I do? I asked them to pray about it. (laughs) I said, I think I'd be a good fit for you. Well, guess what they decided to do? They prayed about it, and they bent their own rule, and they hired me at 16 years old. And let me tell you, I was a terrible employee. They should have never done it. (laughs) I worked from four to close by myself. You know, I'm just a kid. And uh, my manager comes in one night unexpectedly. She never came in. And she came in one night unexpectedly, and she's talking to me, and I'm a little nervous. And all of a sudden, two pencils fall out of the ceiling. I had stood there and sharpened like 20 pencils and would stick them into the tile ceiling (laughs) and just throw those pencils. I was a horrible employee. Anyway, well, we got big discounts on books, right? You know, basically the owner's cost. So I would buy books all the time and I'd buy music and all this stuff. And I just loved it. Well, there was one Christmas and, uh, you know, I'm 16 and, And I get some books, and I didn't have the money to pay for it. And I took those books home, and I told myself, I said, when I get paid, I'm going to pay for all those books. Well, guess what I didn't do? I didn't pay for them. And then I thought, well, okay, when I get paid in two weeks, I'll take care of it. And guess what I didn't do? And then I said, well, and you get the point. And time passed. And another job offer came and I left Anchor and went and took another job a while later. And then time passed and it came time for me to start my church. And as I'm getting ready to start the church, can you guess
1: what the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about? But you know, Christians have a way
0: of justifying things, don't we?
1: I'll
0: I'll confess my sin to God. If I confess my sin to God, He's faithful, He's just to forgive me my sin, right? I found a loophole, right? And time passes. And all the while, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me. Chad, you need to make this right. Chad, you need to make this right. So much time goes by that by now, I can't even remember what I took. I don't remember the amount.
1: The Holy Spirit won't leave
0: me alone. More time passes. Boy, doesn't doesn't time have a way of doing that? And all of a sudden, Anchor Bookstore closes.
1: And then I was like... I went my chance to make this right. I should have went before they closed and made this right.
0: But the guilt didn't leave. But see, I'm confessing it to God. Isn't that enough? You know what Jesus said in the Gospels. Jesus said, when you go to temple, in our context, it would be church. He said, when you go to temple before you make sacrifice, if you have wronged someone leave your sacrifice, go make it right, and then come back and then make your sacrifice. Isn't that interesting? You know what Jesus would say to us in our culture? Before you come to church and worship God, go make it right with someone else and then come and worship. And I ignored
1: that. So the guilt wouldn't leave me.
0: And then you're not gonna believe what happened. I'm at the cancer center one day, praying with people, with Pastor Phil and his team. And guess who I run into? I run into the wife of the owner of the Anchor bookstore. and She's dying of cancer. And she asked me to pray for her. you have any idea how hard it was to pray for her, having
1: that guilt lodged and having heart disease? And still... My pride, I didn't confess. Well,
0: finally, I come to terms with it's not enough to confess to God. I need to confess to Jim.
1: He lives out of town, but I called him up and I said,
0: Jim, can I meet you for breakfast? And he said, Sure. I meet him for breakfast. Actually, we meet at the Lynn Garden restaurant, and he's all excited. Chad, I hadn't seen you in so long. Chad, I'm so proud of you. Chad, I'm so proud of the man of God you become. I'm so proud of your church. I'm so proud of all that you've accomplished, and all the while. And I know why I'm there. I'm there to confess that I've wronged him. And after he says all that, I say, Jim, there's something I've got to share with you that's Ate me alive for years, and I'm so sorry I've waited this long. I said, Jim, I've wronged you, brother, and I stole from you. And I had an envelope of cash. I can't remember how much I took. I can't remember what the dollar value was. But I aimed high, and I added interest to it. And I handed him an envelope full of cash. And I said, brother, I want to ask you to forgive me.
1: I was amazed at his reaction. I didn't tell him how much was in the envelope and he didn't even look.
0: I had eyesight then so I could read his face. And he explained to me, he said, Chad, I don't care how much is in this envelope, brother, I gladly forgive you. And you know what disappointed me the most is that I allowed the devil And I allowed my pride to steal years of blessing out of my life. What did my sin prohibit God from giving me? What did my pride block of the blessings of God? And the forgiveness that was mine that day could have been mine years ago had I made it right. You know what amazed me about that day is after I confessed to my friend and I confessed to my brother and he forgave me, you know what happened? Guilt let go of my heart. Gone. I can share that story today, not worrying about what you'll think of me, because I know I'm right before God. And now I know I'm right before my brother. Amen? And there's no guilt whatsoever. I hate what I did. I hate even worse that my pride kept me bound for so long. But now that it's on the table and it's out of the way, let me tell you the devil does his best work in the dark. And when you let the light of God's word shine into your heart, and when you let the light of God's word illuminate your life, he has no other card to play. And now when he comes to me and says, Chad, you ought to feel guilty. I go, you know what? I've confessed. I've agreed with God. I've agreed with Jim. And it's all under the blood. And I don't feel guilty an inch now. Amen? So my question today is, are you in the same boat that I was with Jim? I had confessed to God hundreds of times. Every time the Holy Spirit convicted me I confessed,
1: but was that enough? Not according to the Bible. According to the Bible, I needed to go to the one that I had wronged and make it right. Do you today? Is there a sibling
0: that you need to make it right with? Is there a neighbor you need to make it right with? Is there a former employer or employee that you need to
1: make it right with. Lastly, go to
0: first John chapter three, verse 19 and 20. Now, if I have confessed my sin to God, I can be confident that He's forgiven me. If I have confessed my sin to the person I've offended. I can be confident God has forgiven me. But what do I do when the guilt still won't leave? What does a guilt-ridden heart do? The answer is found right here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19.
1: By this truth, we
0: reassure our hearts before God. By this truth, that even, verse 20, that even when our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. (laughs) Do Do you realize what that verse says? Even when your guilt condemns you, even when your heart condemns you, even when God has forgiven you, man has forgiven you, but you cannot seem to forgive yourself. And your heart condemns you. Do you know what this verse says? God is greater than your heart. God is greater than the condemnation. God is greater than the guilt. When I sit with people and they tell me, Pastor Chad, I just can't seem to forgive myself. You know when I ask them? In a pastoral way, in a loving way. You know when I ask that person, are you greater than God? Because that's what you're saying. When you cannot forgive yourself, you're saying, I am greater than God's love. I'm greater than God's forgiveness. I'm greater than God's mercy. I'm greater than God's compassion. Are you really greater than God? Is your sin greater than what God can truly forgive? Absolutely not. So today, if your heart is guilt-ridden... I have three simple questions to ask you. Have you confessed to God?
1: Have you confessed toward your brother or sister?
0: Have you confessed to yourself and forgiven yourself as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you? Your sin is not greater than God's forgiveness. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Do you know what the word picture there of that is in the Greek? Waves. Waves of an ocean. That where there are waves of sin, there are greater waves of grace. So have you been forgiven today?
1: If you have not truly seen your
0: sin. If you still feel like you're a good person, capable of going to heaven solely on your own good merit, then friend, you've never seen your sin. If you feel like there are people way worse than you are and in the grand scheme of things, God is gonna wink at you and say, come right on in to my heaven, friends. You've never seen your sin. Have you confessed? Have you agreed with God concerning your sin and your offense? Secondly, have you confessed to man? Have you gone to the people you've wronged and said please forgive me? If you owe someone, have you, are you actively restoring that? Are you actively going to that person and making that right? Many of you know Sadie and I had a print store and the man that I was leasing the print store from when I left and and we closed the business, I left owing that man some money and this spring I took him an envelope full of cash and said, brother, I owe you this.
1: Do you make right
0: what in our sin, in our flesh, in our humanity, in our mistakes that we've made wrong? Make it right today. And I'm telling you, guilt will lose its grip upon your heart. And lastly, have you forgiven yourself today? You know, my favorite phrase of 1 John 3.20, and our guys can come. I'm going to close with this. My favorite phrase of 1 John 3.20, it's glorious (laughs) that God's greater than our heart. Even when our heart condemns us, God is greater. I love that. But do you know what my favorite phrase is? It's that last phrase. And he knows everything. Friends, he knows everything about you. Every mistake, every blunder, every offense, every wrong, every sin, every jealousy, every anger, every greed, every envy, every resentment. Every guilt, He knows it all. And yet, He still offers. Confess and I'll forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive us. I don't want to use that as a loophole. I want to use it as a means of grace. And I want to take it serious in my life. I don't want anything. Let me tell you, when I was reading Revelation this week, and when I got to the end, that new Jerusalem that's going to come down, that city that is going to be built by God, those four gates made of pearl, that they are never going to close. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, my friend, let me warn you. No vile thing shall enter those gates see I know my sin I know my sin that phrase made me shudder and say Jesus Christ may no vile thing be in me have you done that today is there forgiveness that would keep you out of heaven Unforgiveness, I should say, that would keep you from walking through those gates of pearl. It's not worth it, my friend. Your pride is not worth it. Crush it today. Take the Word of God and crush your pride and confess your sin and be clean this Christmas. Be the cleanest you've ever been because of the blood. Of Jesus Christ. When we enter that city, the Bible says, We who have washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb. Don't walk out those doors without doing that today. Let's stand today, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you need forgiveness, mess around. Come to this altar now. Stand, sit, kneel, whatever you need to do, come to this altar and say, Jesus Christ, I need forgiveness. I don't care if it was something from your school years. I don't care if it's something from college. I don't care if it's something last week. I don't care where it was in your past. I don't care who it had to deal with. You need to come today and say, God, I'm not going to walk out these doors without everything being right between me and you. Come and wash your robes in the blood of the Lamb today. You need forgiveness in your life. You need forgiveness from your past. You need forgiveness over a situation between you and another person. I don't care what it is. You come today. Make it right. Do business. Come and talk to God. Leave it at the altar make a commitment today. I'm going to be right before God. I'm telling you, be the best Christmas you've ever had. Be the greatest new year you've ever had. You'll start 2020 on the right foot. You'll start with a clean slate. But who do you need to ask forgiveness from? What do you need to do to make it right? What do you need to pay back? What do you need to do to make it right in the eyes of man and in the eyes of God? I'm telling you, guilt will lose its grip if you make it right. Make it right today. Make it right. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its instruction. I thank you, God, that it's relevant to our lives. And when it tells us what to do for those who obey it, it brings blessings into our life. Blessings. Blessings. God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask you, cleanse my life. Cleanse my heart and cleanse my past. Cleanse my thought life and cleanse my affections and cleanse my thinking, God. Cleanse everything about me, Lord. I wash my robes this morning in the blood of Jesus Christ that makes me whiter than snow. Not because of my merit, not because of my doing, not because I deserve it, But the exact opposite, I don't deserve it. And that's what makes it grace. So, Lord, I just let grace be grace in my life. I let grace be grace upon me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, we agree with you concerning our sin today. We agree with you concerning sin we confess it in Jesus name we confess it we confess it we confess it and may guilt not dominate us may emotions not dominate us in Jesus